Say smile, smile. It's not that bad. It's going to be okay. Whatever it is, you can smile. Even if you got no teeth, you can still smile. Jesus loves you. Amen. Amen. Well, um, we have several things that uh, I wanted to announce this morning. I wanted to share with you. First and foremost, how many know that God is leading Harvest Renewal Church to a new dimension? Amen. We've been uh, all been talking about transition. Last year, God gave me a word about transition, um, but we're also moving in that transitional phase. Now, during transition, a lot of things happen. People begin to dwindle. Things begin to move in a different direction. Sometimes it feels as though it's not God, but God is doing something. And um, during this uh, transitional time, uh, we as the church and as the board, um, board members and also the uh, elders, we decided and said, okay, it's time for us to start looking forward, amen, and start really moving in a direction that God is leading us to, and we're all here. This was supposed to be Vision Sunday, but next uh, week, we will, we will give you the planned out vision and everything, but there is something you do need to know. Today is Rosh Hashanah, which is the, it's actually the Jewish New Year, okay, which marks on the Jewish calendar, this is a new reset of time, amen? So um, I, I don't, I don't get into all that, but um, I do understand it, and I do understand God's timing. So it's just, it's really weird how, how God set everything up. So we decided that we're going to take this property and make it uh, a, a place for the kingdom. It's always been a place for the kingdom, amen? amen. But we, we've also um, understood, like, hey, God, you've, you've anointed us to do something, and as it, when, when, when the church first started here, it was more towards VCU, the campus and everything. But then God started transitioning us into families and multi-generational and begin to move this. And so we're, we're moving into that route, but there always has to be someone here to take over that, this, this campus area. And um, so we've decided to rent the church out to Wave Church. Pastor Kino Paraiso, he is an amazing man of God, very young and thriving. And come to find out that some of the people that used to be here are actually with him now um, over there. And they're planting a church right here in this church starting tonight at 5 p.m. So that being said... We are sort of, um, I feel as though, this is what I feel. This is not something that comes from Pastor Doug or whatever. This is what I feel. I feel as though we're sort of passing the baton. Like, hey, look, listen, it's your turn to go ahead and hit VCU, the students, and, and take on this whole thing while we begin the transition out of this place into a new place, a bigger place to start multi-generational and bringing the families and leaders and bringing the fivefold ministry into a full fold. How many can agree with that today? Come on now. So that being said, we would love to, you know, officially welcome Wave Church into this place today in Jesus' name. We bless them. We bless their work. We hope that they grow and that they impact and transform this place for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. How many can agree with that? Amen. Amen. So 
Um, and uh, I've got the chance to uh, actually speak to Pastor Kino. He's amazing. I mean, he's, I don't think anything bothers him. The man is just so uplifting. Um, and I've gotten the chance yesterday. We spoke a little while. Um, me coming back from a trip. Uh, actually, I, I was flying on a red eye <laughs> Thursday. Got back in Thursday morning, um, very early in the morning. And, um, and the Lord just was speaking to my spirit and just saying, hey, you know, it's, it's time. It's, it's really time for us to start seeing not only in transition, but also the multiplication that God has inquired for us to have. Amen? Amen. So what, what usually looks like, uh, oh, well, we're, we're going with a smaller group. Well, that actually means that God has anointed a few to actually take on a whole new dimension of things. And so you guys, what we need to start looking at is the, what God is doing and not so much what is happening around us, but what God is doing. Can we all agree with that? Amen. At the same time, um, uh, Harvest Renewal Global Network is growing. Uh, we, we've added on 30 churches in, in India, which will be there in January. We also were in Panama this past week because the church has tripled in size. <laughs> the church has tripled in size. And um, so we were able to, listen to this, this is what we were able to do. The pastor was living in a very dire situation with his family, we were able to, in one day, restore a house, get him in there and his family, and surprise him on that Sunday with that. Amen? Come on, give God a strong hand clap. It was a, it was a Sunday to honor the pastor. I did not preach. We just honored him. We just gave him that honor due to him, especially the work, the sacrifice, and the amount of revival that's happening there. It is only natural for us to honor. And by the way, you can never receive a reward of what you, of what you don't honor. You have, to, you have to honor in order to receive a reward. Amen? So the, whatever that prophet's reward, you have to honor that prophet. You have to honor that person. So we just stood, we stood there. We extended our trip. Actually, I was there. Supposed to be there for six days, ended up staying there for 10 days. Um, and uh, what, what I did was during those 10 days, we restructured, uh, we gave them a budget, we, we gave them a salary, we restructured everything in the ministry, we restructured the leaders. It was just amazing. And all of that happened. And during that time, you know, I get a call, I get a, a text from, from Cindy, or, or, and, and it's like, oh my God, you know, this is happening to Pastor Doug. But you know, you, you know what I feel as though, like God is like doing something so amazing. He's shifting us in so many ways that sometimes the enemy, it tries to attack and bring us into this place of despair. In, instead of for us trying to get into this place of victory, we get into this place of despair. So I want to talk a little bit today about, and uh, the name of my message is going to be called Share the Spoils. Amen? Share the Spoils. Now look at your neighbor and say, Share the Spoils. Whatever spoils you have, whatever you got from the enemy's camp, you need to share it. <laughs> Amen? Amen. And I'll get into it a little bit more. I'm sort of piggybacking off of something I heard Pastor Rifle share, and he was sharing more about the opportunities that, um, that you can see uh, through different things um, in, this, in this place of zigzag. But as God was leading me through uh, this message, I began to understand more and more 
what God is trying to say to us here. Amen? So there, are, there is going to be some things that I, I piggyback and I, and I pull from Pastor Rifle just to let you know we hear each other. Amen? And that we're, we're, we're able to understand what God is doing right now. So um, we're going to be reading from, uh, actually from 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I believe I gave him from verse 21 to 25. So here's what it said. And David came to the 200 men who were so faint that they could not follow. David, whom they made also to abide at the brook of Besor. And by the way, uh, if you, if you want to know anything about this story, I mean, you really have to get into it from chapter 29 all the way through. And... They went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And then David came near to the people and he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial and those that went with David and said, Because they were, went not with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Then David said, You shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered the company that came against us and unto our hand, for who will hearken unto you in this matter? And but as his part is that goes down to the battle, so shall his part be that waits by the supplies, they shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. We thank you, Father, for this word in Jesus' name. Now listen. Um, there's something you need to know about this story. As I was reading this story, I know Pastor Rifle had shared and said it took them three days to get from the last battle back to the place of Ziklag where they had their family. Uh, actually, in the Hebrew, the word Ziklag or Ziklag means winding. Say with me, winding. Winding. Sometimes our life seems like it's winding. Sometimes things seems like it's not going the way we think it should be going because we had a set path to go on. We had plans. We had situations. We had things that we knew we should do and what we should do. Now we had a path set out, but now the path does not seem as though it's going the way we thought it would go. Does that make sense to anyone here? Like you've set something up for yourself to do, but yet now it doesn't seem as though it's going your way. Sometimes things are not going to go your way. Sometimes things are not going to happen the way you planned them to happen. I come to realize here at Harvest Renewal Church, nothing happens the way we plan it to happen. Um, and the reason why is because when God is in control, there is always a setup. Say with me, a setup. What might look like the enemy is actually having an upper hand. It's actually God setting you up for something greater. Now, what might make you think that the enemy has gained control will also make you stop and think that you cannot go after the enemy when it comes to a point where God wants you to engage the enemy because at that very engagement, God will promote you to where you need to be. Does that make sense? So here it is. Here's, what, here, here's what's happening at this very moment in time. They come back from a three-day walk, tired from the battle, exhausted. And they come into the place 
to home where they think they're going to engage their family and see this wonderful uh, uh, welcoming back home. And as they get back home, they find it burnt down and their family's missing. So at this very point in time, there is so much despair because right now they've lost everything that they have, everything that they have. Have you ever come to a point where you just feel as though you lost everything that you had? You've lost friends. You've lost family. You've lost people. You've lost, you've lost your job. You've lost your sense of identity. You've lost who you thought you were. And then everything in this very moment seems like there's disparity. There's something inside of you that says, I cannot go on any longer. I fought so long. And now during this time, I feel as though I'm in despair. But as you, as you come to find out that during this time of despair, it is also the time to seek God. It is also the time to seek God. So as, as, as they came to this place of disparity, the Bible says that they cried so loud that they lost strength. They lost strength. They lost the very, the very strength that they had to continue on. They lost the very will, the, the, the hope, I would say, that you have to continue on. When you lose all hope, when you lose everything that you have to go on and continue on this road, it, it, it sometimes it just feels as though there's nothing left for me to do. I've done everything I've had to do, and I still have not seen the result. I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried my own ways, and I've tried this way, and I've even tried what God said, and it's still not working to, on my behalf. But I'm here to tell you this morning that even though it looks like it's not working, on your behalf, God has a setup. God has a setup. Some of you should be more excited about that. Some of you are not as excited about that. You're like, okay, God, what do I have to go through in order to get the setup? You see, at this very point in time, whenever you feel disparity, whenever you feel as though there's, there's, there's nothing else left for you to do, the first thing you do is blame. Blame begins to come out of you. I, I don't understand why in our human nature, when we are lost and stuck in a position of disparity or in a position of, 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 of not understanding what's going on or in a position of depression, we feel as though everyone else is to blame but us. So what did they do? They all gathered together and they said, they picked up stones. They said, David, this is all your fault. We're going to kill you, man. This is all your fault. Now, David could have gotten into disparity. David could have been despaired. David could have went into depression. David could have went into this. But the Bible says that he inquired of God. Amen. He did the only thing that everyone else was not doing. He got into a place, into a, a quiet place with God. He came into that place with God. And the Bible also says that he also came to the, to the priest and he, 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 he engaged in the presence of God. Whenever you feel as though you're in a desperate situation, don't try to blame everyone else. And it's funny how when the church is in a desperate situation, they blame the pastor. 
They throw stones. Whew, pastor did it. Well, if a pastor, if the pastor, if the pastor, if the pastor, if, if the leader, if these people, if this people, and really in actuality, really, you've been following and going through battle after battle with that leader and actually coming out in victory. Maybe there's something that God is saying when there's not a victory in the very moment in time. Maybe God is trying to say to you, now it's time to engage on a different level. Now it's time to start seeing things on a different level. Maybe Maybe God is no longer wanting you to just be the person who follows and says, hey, you know what, Pastor? Maybe God wants you to be a carrier of the vision now. Maybe he wants you to be someone who can stand up and say, you know what? I see where the pastor is going. Maybe I should follow him to inquire of God with him. Maybe I should go with him into the place, into that quiet place to see what God is saying. Instead of for blaming, we should shift the blame off and begin to inquire of God. Does that make sense? So as we, as we see here, David inquired of God. And the Bible says that as he inquired of God, he asked God a question. And I love this because it shows his sacrifice as a leader, but also shows his, his obedience as a man of God. What he does is he asks God the question, should I go after them? He was already diligent enough to go after them, but also he was also obedient enough to receive the answer, no. So if God would have said no, he would have stood there and just cried and just moved on. Are you willing to ask God the hard questions and get ready to receive the yes or the no? Because sometimes God will say no. Are you willing to actually allow God to say no. I know people that God will say no a thousand times and they keep going for another prophecy to see if God changes his mind. Yeah, they keep asking people, can you prophesy to me to see if God will change his mind? Well, if God said it already 13 times before, there's nothing that God will change unless you start changing to see what God is actually saying to you. Amen. When God begins to speak to David, God actually says to him, yes, go after them. You see, this is when God says yes, that means there's a setup happening. That means that God is actually setting something up. When God is setting something up, you are not in control of what and how it's going to happen. You are only in control of obedience and asking God, yes, I will move in that direction. Amen? You don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know how you're going to fight the enemy. But you do know that God said yes. So as long as God says yes, keep moving in that path. And if God said yes to Harvest Renewal Church, then we need to keep moving in the path. It doesn't matter how many people dwindle away. All that matters is that God said yes. Some of you are like, whoa. It, what, what is God saying here? So David is having this conversation with God. And as he moves on, he tells all the guys, he say, hey, I just got word. And this word from God says we can move forward. We can go after the enemy, go after our families and get our families back. And all these guys were like, okay, let's row. <laughs> let's do this, man. Yeah, this is what we're talking about. And so David 
begins to understand that he has a group of 400 men who are willing to move in the direction of what God said. Now, listen to this. When God begins to move you in that direction, sometimes not everyone will feel to move in that direction. I'm just going to be real with you. Not everyone sees the same thing. Not everyone feels the same way. Not everyone wants to move into that direction. People will probably think David is crazy. He has his mind set up. I mean, we just fought. I don't know how many days. We walked for three days. We're tired. We lost our families. Everything's burnt to a crisp. The enemy got an upper hand on us. While we were engaged in another battle, we did not understand the security of the battle that was going on here. But we do understand that David says we need to go after them. And then now we just feel as though we're too tired to keep rolling with this guy because he's just got some crazy ideas and he thinks that God is with him. But I don't think so because if God was with him, then why is everything burning down? If God is with him, then why is there so many attacks? <laughs> well, here's a newsflash. You only get attacked when you're on the other side. <laughs> Does that make sense? The enemy will begin to attack you when you are on the other side. When he knows that you're about to engage in something that is about to take him out, he starts attacking you in different areas, especially at home. Especially in your family. The fact that they were tired should be very, very significant here. The fact that people who stood behind this man and engaged in battle after battle and victory after victory would actually say, we're too tired, should really be significant. The fact that they stood with David to this very point should also be significant. And David saw them. They were greatly distressed, the Bible says. Greatly distressed. And listen, actually, there were 600 men. And during these 600, 200, 200 decided we can't go over the brook. We can't, we can't, we can't move past this point. We, we love you. We, we, we know that God has spoken to you, but we're just too tired to move past this point. We're too tired to go beyond this point. The Bible says that they were in a place called Besser. Now, this is a very interesting place. I love this place uh, because it means so much. Now, this brook is actually where they were drinking water. I like to see it this way. I like to imagine that all the men, all 600 of the, of the troops of David come. Now, that's amazing that a feat of 600 men could actually defeat so many thousands of Philistines and Amalekites and different ones and actually come to this place where there's water and there's actually substance to renew their strength. But during this time, 200 of them, 200 of them said no. So here, here's the funny thing, is that Bessor 
in the Hebrew, besore, which means cheerful. Say with me, cheerful. You ever come to that place where everything is just going to hell in a handbasket, but then everybody else seems cheerful? Where you're just like, dude, you, you, you're pissing me off because I'm like so going through something right now, and you're like, <laughs> Jesus! Come on now. You're, 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 like, you're like going through something. You came to church like, like, oh, I'm just here to just drop my burdens off, you know. And then somebody like Bridget or, or Danielle's like, Jesus. And you're like, what is she so happy about? You've come to that brook of, of Besor, the brook of cheerfulness. That's why God wants you to cross over. Why? Because God wants you to get to a place where, 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 where your grief and your sadness becomes joy. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on now. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So when you see somebody laughing at the enemy, and maybe they're going through something, but they've used the brook of Besor. They've understand the power of cheerfulness. They understand that this is a point of, of place where, you know what? The enemy has destroyed so much in my life. Instead of for me getting weighed down with the enemy's stuff, I'm going to laugh my way through. Come on now. That was good. You ought to give God a hand clap for that one. Come on. So now 200 stay behind. Now, the 400 that are going with David, these guys are probably very upset with the 200 that stayed behind. I'm pretty sure they are. You know? I could, I could hear the, 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 the rumbles now. You guys are wimps. You guys don't know. You know, you know we, we rescued your wives. I mean, these are your kids. These are your stuff. You know, you don't want to come and all that stuff. But then, then the 200, I could see them making up an excuse like, hey, we're just going to stay here and watch over the little bit of stuff we have left. Listen, the 200 were not weak. At the very point in time, they were, but it was a setup by God and wisdom to protect what they had while the others went out to battle. It was a whole different ministry. God just shifted ministries there and said, you know what? We need warriors, but we also need people who will stand on the wall. Yeah, we, we, we need those crazy folk in church that, that know how to take on the devil, but we also need those prayer warriors and those intercessors who are behind the scenes who know how to see the devil before he comes. Come on now. We, we, we need the warriors, but we also need... Not everybody is going to be able to carry the sword at the very time when you're being attacked. Not everybody is going to feel the same thing you feel and passion you feel about certain ministry the way you do. How do you treat that person when they're not as passionate for outreach as you are? How do you treat that person who's not as passionate 
for men's ministry, women's ministry, children's ministry, worship, and other things. You know, sometimes we get so passionate over some things, we get blinded by our own ministries, and we start seeing things through our purview, and we see people say, why aren't you doing what I do? Maybe because they were called to do something else. And they just don't have the passion for what you do because what you do is not what they do. Does that make sense? You know, I, I have the passion to, to, to see leaders be birthed and, and leaders be, be, you know, leaders are not born. They're created. They're made. And I had the passion to go in and actually come alongside leaders and build them up and build up their strength. And sometimes I see what Pastor Doug does, and I say, I don't have the passion for that. <laughs> Getting phone calls at 2 o'clock in the morning or some kind of prayer or something and somebody in need. And I did that for seven years, and I realized I, didn't, I, I wasn't called to do that. But can, 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 you, can you actually see that and say that? Or will you look at me and say, well, why doesn't Pastor Manuel do like Pastor Doug? Go around hugging everybody and calling everybody, sweet honey, I... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you didn't get a hug today, I know. Why can't Pastor Rifle do like Pastor Manuel and preach real good and all that stuff? <laughs> it's a joke, Pastor Rifle. It's a joke. <laughs> Some people are not as enthusiastic as you are about certain things that you're enthusiastic for. And I'm here to challenge you, whatever you're enthusiastic for, why don't you let God use you in that? And build a team of people who are just as enthusiastic about that thing as you are. Does that make sense? Not everybody is enthusiastic about audio-visual ministry. We can see that over there. Zach is by himself. And he won't be for long. Why? Because there will always be other people who are ready to go into battle with you. Be happy with the 400. And don't make fun and criticize the 200 that stood behind. I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting somewhere this morning. Be happy with the 400 who are going with you into battle. And don't get upset about the 200 who dwindled off and stood behind. Because they were tired. Because maybe God is setting them up to do something else. Mm. So, of course, we know the whole story. They run into this, this young Egyptian boy who's sick. And Pastor, Pastor Rifle explained that that means opportunities. Amen. It doesn't matter how crazy it looks. God might have opportunities set up for you. But... As they go into the enemy's camp, they come to realize something. That not only are their families there, 
But God has set them up to have a big harvest. There's, there's a hundredfold more of something here. Now, there's plenty. So as you move into the enemy's camp, just remember, there's always going to be spoils. And those spoils are not for you to be territorial about, to keep for yourself, but they're to spread the love. Look at your neighbor and say, spread the love. Mm. So as we go into our text of this morning, all the spoil that they recovered, everything they recovered, now here go the other guys. What are they saying? They, they were wicked men. The Bible said they were wicked. At that very moment in time, they're thinking wickedly. They said, you know what? Those 200 didn't come with us. Just give them their wives and their children. They get nothing else. They get nothing else. You know how we do it it's Sunday morning? We, don't, we see somebody who's not here, who should be here, and then Pastor Rifle preaches a good message, and then we call that person, or that person calls us, and we call that person, we're like, man, you should have been there. It, has anybody ever done that? I've done that. You, you missed something this morning, right? You missed it. <laughs> and here's the thing. Instead of for us spreading the love and telling them what they missed, we just tell them they missed something, and we hang up the phone. <laughs> like, you ain't getting none of this. Well, how about spreading the love and letting them know what spoils you got back from the enemy? Huh? I got my joy back. I got, I got, man, it's so amazing. Right now, I just want to pray over you that you get your joy back. I, I just want to release that over you right now. You know, you know, instead of for us criticizing the one that went down, we should go pick that person up that went down and try to give them back what they lost. Come on now. So at this very moment in time, David said to them and said, the Lord has given us this stuff. Not you. Not because you fight well. Not because you're good in ministry. Not because you got, you know... Whatever. But because God has preserved us. See, God is the one who sent us out to battle, and he's the one who held us with 400 guys to fight against thousands, which means that everything that God gave us belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the kingdom. This building doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the kingdom. Everything we have here belongs to the kingdom. Amen? So when we're, 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 we're in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through, God is like, okay, it's time to spread the kingdom. It's time to spread what I've given you into the kingdom. And, you know, we start, we start going, okay, you know what? Let, let, let's start being distribution centers for the kingdom of God. And when we become distribution centers for the kingdom of God, guess what happens? God pours out. He engages us even more. Now, the fact is, is that these guys did not want to give them 
what they fought for, right? Except for what they thought was theirs, their family. But then David was like, hey, look, listen, you didn't deliver us. God did. (laughs) Your whole ministry is all good and everything. It'll dwindle in a day. Peter says, it says, it's just like, it's just like, uh, you know, like having a, I'll say it in my words, like having a plant, right? It just fades away. In the very moment in time, your ministry could just disappear. Anything that you think that you have can just, boof, up in smoke. Well, God is like, listen, this is David's, David's understanding of this. And he said, hey, look, I'm not only going to give to those that went down into battle, but now the wisdom comes and says, these guys stood here. They probably were tired, but they also stood here to wait by the supplies. So should we not give them something for protecting the supplies? Should we not break off some of this stuff here? And let's do the same thing. And from that day forward, it became an ordinance. It became law. It became law. That I am to share whatever spoils I get from the enemy with those that probably look like they were left behind in the very moment in time. I'm to come back and share that. Because guess what? The ones that were tired and stood by the brook, waiting by the supplies, they were, they're just as part of the kingdom as you are. And sometimes we're so selfish and self-absorbed that we think we're the only ones in the kingdom. All right? We're the only ones doing it. We're the only ones anointed. We're the only ones prophesying. We're the only one that God's like, no. There's others. There are others. And so when David came to Ziklag, verse 26, I love this. From verse 26 on, he sent some of the spoils to the elders of Judah. Say with me, praise. He said, I need to invest into praise. Come on now. I need to invest in praise. I need to take whatever the enemy uh, stole from me. I need to take whatever I got back a hundredfold and invest into praise. Amen. Not only that, he goes a little bit crazy here. Because then now David starts spreading the love everywhere in Judah. David starts giving off the spoils of everybody. Now he's really probably upsetting the whole 400 that rolled with him, right? Because now he's like, hey, look, look, you get your part, but I'm going to give more over here because I just feel as though we need to invest into Judah. We need to invest into praise. So he gave it to Bethel. Say with me, the house of God. Bethel is the house of God. He gave it to Bethel. He gave it to Ramoth. Ramoth means heights. Say with me, heights. That means higher places. I need, to, I need to give in to higher places. I need to say, you know what? I need to go more higher in God. So I'm going to give of these spoils into heights. And then he gave to Jatir, which means plenty. Say with me, plenty. He said, why would you give to somebody who has plenty? Because you cannot receive the reward of what you don't honor. So he honored plenty in order to receive plenty. Come on now. 
The reward of plenty came back to him. And then he gave to Aurora, which is, means ruins. And why would he give to ruins? Because they were ruined, so he wants to rebuild it. So now he's coming back to a place of rebuilding. And then he gave to Sipmoth, which is fruitful. Say with me, fruitful. So now he's investing into fruitfulness. And then he gave to Eshtemoth, which is the cause of my own ruin. But also, I shall soar. Say with me, I shall soar. It's a Levitical city. So he planted into the Levites, into the Levitical city of Eshtemoth. And then as he did that in Rachel, which is, means trade. Say with me, trade. I know Pastor Cindy has talked a lot about the trading floor, but right there he said, I'm going to trade some stuff up. Amen. I've lost some things, but I've also gained some things. And during this loss, God gave me great gain. So I'm going to trade my loss for great gain. Amen. Come on now, Jesus. And then he came to Horma, which means devotion. Say with me, devotion. We were talking about that a little bit. If you write your name on a paper, let you yes, you yes, and you no, be no. You have to be devoted to what God has called you to do. You have to be devoted to what you really want to get involved with. Amen? And then he came to a place of Chorasan. He also gave into the furnace of smoke. Say with me, a furnace of smoke. That right there talks about things that are beyond your very vision. Things that you can't see beyond. Things that you just don't know what's going to happen beyond that. Because there's so much smoke, it's covering your eyesight. But God says, you know what? I also came as a cloud by day. Amen? And what you cannot see, the fire by night will make you see it but as i begin to move the smoke shall begin to dwindle when you walk into it you shall see that i am on the other side amen so right there he invests into that and then to Athosh, which means a lodging place. Say with me, a lodging place. He invested into his own lodging. He said, you know what? I need to invest. I need to put back into what, what my lodging place is, whether that's your home or whether that's your family or whether that's a place where you feel comfortable. And then he went to Hebron and he gave into Hebron. And Hebron means association. Say with me, association. Associations are great. When you begin to build relationships in the kingdom of God and associate with these people and say, you know what? What, what you have, we don't have, but we're, we're going to share the spoils with you in order for you to invest what you have into what we don't have. Come on now. Somebody needs to praise the Lord this morning. Amen? So, I want to go into one more scripture. And you're saying, but... Pastor, they were weak. They were, they were laying there because they were weak. That's what the Bible says. Yes, they were weak. And the Bible also says that receive him that is weak in the faith, but not for passing judgment. The Bible also says when then that are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of the weak. <laughs> so, and not to please ourselves. Are you hearing that? You're not to be only pleasing yourself. And talking about, well, I won the battle. You don't get nothing. We the ones who fought. We were in prayer. You weren't in prayer. I didn't see you there. How many Sundays have you missed? Mm. When in actuality, you ought to be lifting that person up and saying, you know what? You weren't here last Sunday, but I'm going to lead you into this Sunday, and we're going to walk into this thing together. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm going to take you out of your weakness, out of your tiredness, and I'm going to move you into your greatness, and you're going to walk with me, and I'm able to walk with you, intercede with you, and say whatever battle that you need to go through, I'm willing to fight for you and fight with you, fight side by side, so where the enemy has attacked you, I'm willing to go right 
right side by side with you and say, let's have this victory together. Come on, now I'm preaching better than you're clapping. First Thessalonians 5.14, and we'll end with this. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are idle. Those who don't move at all. Warn them that are idle. Don't move at all. Time to move. I learned this a long time ago. If you don't move, God will move you. Something will move you. If you don't move on your own, something will move you. Amen? You got to move into something. You got to do something. I don't think God called us to be spectators in a baseball field and watch everyone play the game. Those cheerleaders are in heaven, according to the book of, of Hebrews. Those cheerleaders are in heaven. In Romans, it also says it. Those cheerleaders are up there. They're cheerleading us. We're the players in this game. We're the players down here. Which means like, what am I supposed to do, Pastor? I have no idea what you're supposed to do. If I, maybe if God gives me a prophetic sense at the very moment in time, I can tell you. But there's some things that you need to discover on your own. And actually say, you know what? I am, I, I'm actually called to this, whatever it is, and, and I'm going to engage in it. Warn them not, that are idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. doesn't say make fun of them. It says encourage them. So if you feel weak, you feel faint-hearted, and, and you know somebody who feels faint-hearted and says, well, I don't want to go to church anymore. Nobody loves me. I'm just so... <laughs> I'm not saying anyone here is like that. Praise God. No. But we might know somebody who you cause. <laughs> Your job is not to try to find out why they're discouraged at the very moment in time because it might discourage you. <laughs> you ever had those conversations with somebody and they're like, well, you don't know, you know, what, what Jonathan did to me. Just, just saying, Jonathan, I know you didn't do anything. Uh, he, Jonathan did to me the other day. He walked by me. He didn't say, God bless. I, I don't like that. So I'm not going to church anymore. And you feel so discouraged because you're like, man, Jonathan didn't say God bless to me either. Now, now I'm forcing Jonathan to say God bless to everyone before he leaves. Shake everybody's hands. <laughs> All right, you understanding what I'm saying? It might discourage you even more. So your job is not to find out what discouraged the person, but also to encourage the person. At the very moment in time, be ready for an encouragement. And say, man, if I was to get blessed every time I shake somebody's hand, I'd be shaking everybody's hand. But that's not the way it works. I'm blessed because I'm already blessed. Whether they shake my hand or not. Whether they see me or not in church. 
I didn't come to be seen by people. <laughs> I came to look for God. I came to be seen by God. I came to be in his presence. I came to seek something. Hey, look, listen, sometimes I'll just walk right through you and not see you because I need to release something with God. I need to get into that place of battle. I need to get into that place of worship. So now the place of encouragement is now lifting up the faint-hearted. And the Bible says, support the weak. Support the weak. Ooh, that's a hard one. Because we're strong and we don't want to support the weak. You look at the weak and say, man, what are you doing, man? He's still down there, man. Get up, get up. What are you doing? I can't believe you're still down there. But then the Bible says, be patient toward all men. That's a hard one. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Now, here's what we're going to do. Something a little different. Something a little different. Just a little different here. I want us to find somebody that we can hold hands with and just all through this area, just hold hands with somebody. And you're going to pray over that person today. You're going to get out of yourself and not think about what you need at this very moment in time, but think about the need of the other person. And that if we have prayer warriors here, you can go grab somebody you feel led in the spirit prophetically. Some of you are going to prophesy over people to encourage them, declare over people. I want this to be a time of declaration over people's lives. A time of like, look, listen, you, you know, God has everything. You are great. You are amazing. Because that is part of what you've received as far as spoils. It's the joy. It's the plenty. It's the greatness. And now you're willing to impart that into somebody else. Now you're willing to, to take out of yourself and not think about what you went through or what battles you had to go through to get what you have. But your, fought, your fight is also their fight. And now you're standing with that person saying, I'm willing to fight for you. Even though you don't have the strength to make it into the battle. I'm willing to stand with you. Amen. We lift up our leaders also right now in their health. They're not willing to stand up, but we're willing to stand in the gap and fight in the battle for them and bring back the spoils for them. We're willing to do things for people because we're anointed by God to have victory. I feel this so strongly in my spirit that as we move to this next dimension, it's going to be a place of just understanding who people are, who we are in God, and how to lift each other up. So go ahead and grab somebody's hand wherever you're at and just start decreeing and declaring. Start praying over that person right now. Just start praying over them, their needs, whatever it is. Whatever Holy Spirit places on your heart, you start decreeing over their lives. Come on now. Just, just, just release that over them right now. Release that over them right now. And Father, I release those also who are not here right now. We, we release a word over them, over the internet, over Facebook Live, over YouTube. 
And we say, be strong, be courageous, be who God called you to be. We declare the anointing of God over your life. We declare the power of God over your life. We declare the presence of God in your house. We declare the strength needed. We declare victory in Jesus' name. We fight on your behalf. We stand in the gap. We intercede for you. We fight on your behalf in Jesus' name. We just release right now. We release right now. We release you into your full potential. We release you into your greatness. We release you into your strength. We release you into your greatness in Jesus' name.
Lord be with you. May he bless you. May he shine his face upon you. And God bless you.